You look young for your age. People aren't always as they seem, Mrs. Michaels. He doesn't speak. He's allergic to all animals, sugar, gluten, seeds of any kind. Just treat him like any other kid. You do a lot of babysitting? Sometimes. She's very, um, innocent. Most people are liars. If you want me to be part of your family, then I'm going to have to ask you to do something for me. I think your son is really special. I'm glad you're here. Do you like her more than mommy? Who is your mother? You don't have to pretend. You have to be a good girl. I can do that. I want more from you. Family. It's the most important thing. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the latest episode of Fresh Cuts. My name is Mike, and joining me as always, it's Mr. Venom. What's up, Venom? How are you? Greetings and salutations, creepy babysitters. You know, I had a creepy babysitter when I was a kid. She creeped me right the fuck out. She never tried to kill me or anything, but she did creep me out. <laughs> How you doing, Mike? <laughs> Pretty good. I had a babysitter that could, she could like make her eyeballs shake. And when I was yep. a little kid, I thought it was the coolest thing. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. Also joining us, it's Dawn. Uh, do you have any creepy babysitter uh, memories? No, I was a creepy babysitter. Um, ah! <laughs> yeah, um, no, I, I was uh, the uh, designated babysitter for uh, my sister and her friends. Um, yeah, I, I've got stories. Um I mean, I, I showed my sister burial ground when she was 11. So, um, yeah, that's um, I showed them Return of the Living Dead, Reanimator, Demons. Um, most of all, mostly on their own volition. I mean, it wasn't like I was like, "All right, you little shit, sit down. I'm going to show you how show you how to do this." Well, um, yeah. a Serbian film. <laughs> uh, no, it wasn't out yet. I'm talking like mid 2000s. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Um, so yeah. Uh, real quickly, I'm uh, I'm technically four years older, but I'm three calendar years. I'm four calendar years, but I'm three years older. Um, I'm December, and uh, she's uh, well. I'm, my birthday is December fourth. She's uh, January twenty seventh. So um, I we're four years apart on the calendar, but we're technically three years apart. So I, I was always the babysitter for her and her friends. So I, I was always the one looking after, and uh, it, they found my horror collection um, pretty early on when I was babysitting, and I, I basically was like the one showing them all kinds of stuff. Uh, you know, I, I usually try to plan it out to where it was always like that was the first movie of the evening, and then I'd show them something else later on that was more like family friendly and appropriate to like make sure they didn't like go to bed at you know with nightmares or anything like that. And usually, if you know the, the later film was always like the one the time when the parents would come home, so I was usually stuck with them, you know, watching like Lizzie McGuire or Wizards of Waverly Place or something. So it was never really like you know I wasn't like showing them something inappropriate. So uh, that that was usually the way it went, but yeah, I, I mean, I, I I've shown them, uh, well, I, like I said, I showed them burial grounds, I showed them uh, 
Hell of the Living Dead. Um, I, I showed him Nightmare City, um, Cannibal, uh, not Cannibal Holocaust, Jungle Holocaust. Um, uh, let's see. I, I, I showed him like a lot of like really, you know, like I mean, demons and alligator mm-hmm. and stuff like that. So yeah. yeah, I was always like, you know, the the one that they always wanted to go to because I was always like. Yeah, fuck it, why not? <laughs> so yeah, those were kind of like my baby, but my babysitting stories was that I was the one that was doing it. So the the closest memory I have is when I was pretty young, like at least under ten, a babysitter, and I don't know if they were literally showing me or they just happened to be watching it. And I have a little kid memory of the Omen being on, but the only part I can remember from childhood like from that instance was the scene where i think they're driving through a parkway or as or like a zoo that you drive oh, through and the, the monkeys attack the car monkey attacks, yeah. and because you know this was before the internet era even though i saw i ended up seeing the omen several years later but still before the internet so i didn't know that what i had seen was the omen so like i was you know probably rented it you know as an early preteen or something and as i'm watching the movie also that scene happens i was like oh shit this is that movie that because that scene just stuck with me forever because you know it didn't as a little kid you don't know you're watching the omen that it's about a demon kid so for all i knew it was just a movie about animals going crazy attacking the car (laughs) so so that stuck with me because it seemed like a plausible thing because you know i'd been to zoos and stuff so i kind of had this fear I'm like, oh, shit, are the animals going to attack? But, yeah. Um, all right. Well, now that you everyone's caught up on um, babysitting tales, we have a movie with a babysitter in it. Uh, it's called Spoonful of Sugar. It is uh, currently streaming on Shudder. I think it's been up there about a week. I think it dropped last week. Um, and the synopsis is as follows. Well, kind of a synopsis. Melissa is taking a semester off from her studies to take care of Johnny, a sickly, mute child with severe allergies. His mother, Rebecca, is an author, and his father, Jacob, is a carpenter. And that's where the synopsis on IMDb <laughs> leaves <laughs> off. <laughs> I mean, other than, yeah, there's a babysitter, and the kid's kind of weird, and the parents, I guess they have jobs, because they list their jobs in the synopsis. That's all you really get. Um, so I don't know. I, I guess I, I'm not even really going to add to it because we'll get into this kind of with our general thoughts. Um, so I'll kick to Venom first. Uh, what did you think of Spoonful of Sugar? Honestly, I had a pretty good time with this movie. Um, I just finished, literally just finished watching it for a second time um, just so I can get all my notes down. And yeah, I, I still enjoyed it on second watch as well. I I like that there's no... Um, how can I put it? The the cringy characters that I can't stand, you know, we, we just recently talked about Infinity Pool and how I hate almost everyone in that movie. Well, this movie is the complete opposite. I don't hate anybody in this movie. Um, on first viewing, you kind of develop a little bit of uh, piss and vinegar for the dad. But once you actually get all the reveals that this movie has to offer, dad's attitude maybe makes a little bit more sense. He's almost a little bit more, you know. You can almost understand why he has the attitude he has, but I, I had a pretty good time with this one. The the Johnny, uh, uh, our child actor, did a pretty fine job. I mean, he only has one line in the whole movie, so 
his acting is basically facial expressions and, you know, the occasional, you know, high pitched scream. But otherwise, <laughs> I thought he did a pretty good job. Honestly, I had no problem with any of the performances in this one. I thought um, Morgan, Morgan Saylor as our, you know, antagonist, Millicent, did a fine job. You know, she wasn't too over the top. She, you know, she didn't. There's no point where I basically, you know, disliked the character in a sense of I can't stand looking at this person anymore, (laughs) like a couple of movies we've done recently. But, yeah, overall, I thought it was a good little story. Nothing great. I mean, the movie has elements of Megan. It has elements of um, what was that movie? Um, The uh, first kill orphan first kill. It has elements of that in there. Um, there's elements of, you know, multiple movies in this one. And for the most part, they use the better parts of all of those here. Um, you know, like I said, this movie is not totally over the top. It's not, you know, essential viewing by any stretch. I just think it was a solid little movie with, you know, a, a cool little antagonist that, you know, we kind of understand why she's um, partaking in the actions that she's partaking in because of, you know, her medical background, which we'll get into in the spoiler section. Um, but yeah, I, overall, I had a pretty good time with this movie, you know, not a 10 out of 10 by any stretch, not something that's going to end up in my top 10 at the end of the year by any stretch, but just, a, you know, a fun little movie that, you know, probably one of the better horror films I watched this week. I think I watched like six of them this week, including a couple in theaters, which were just okay. But, uh, yeah, I had a pretty good time with Spoonful of Sugar. Like I said, not essential viewing, but I would give it a recommend. All right, I'll kick it over to Don on your thoughts for Spoonful of Sugar. Uh, let's invert everything Venom said because I fucking hated this. Um, <laughs> I, I disagree with just about everything. Um, I, I, I don't find the characters interesting. I, I don't find the story engaging. I don't find this uh, particularly scary. Um, I, I kind of was questioning whether or not this was a horror film well into the third act. Um, I, I mean, we eventually get the answer, but it was just too little too late for me. Um, I I'd already lost interest. I've not, I was checking out of this one uh, pretty early on. Um, probably by like the ha- like the 20, 25 minute mark, I was already kind of like, can we just get going with this thing? Uh, uh, yeah. Uh, I, I really wasn't a, a fan of this. Um, I, I, I'm trying to think where to begin with this. Um, first of all, like I said, it just takes so long to get to where this thing is supposed to be. I, I really, really, really got bored with it. I can see where it's not really a dull film because I'm, I, I, I do think that the story's there. I just, I don't think that it's anything is done with it that would really, for me at least it kept my interest i mean you know the idea of this the babysitter coming in and trying to you know take over the take over the family the way she does yeah something we've seen done before so it's not original or so it's not interesting or clever and i mean the allergy aspect of this is kind of like a the only real thing that it's done with it but that's not enough for me to like stay invested for it as, as long as it is because it's at least maybe five minutes too long um i can see where the characters would be interesting because there's 
flaws to each of them to where they're not like just, you know, oh, well, this is, you know, the stressed mother. This is, you know, the frustrated father. There's more there, but I I, I still wasn't that engrossed with any of them. Uh, very little of it kept my interest once I realized what was going on in the households. Um, and, and, and again, it's just way too long before anything like horror-based starts happening that a lot of it just wasn't that engrossing, and yeah, at the end of it, I I, I was I was really just checked out, and uh, nothing really nothing really brought me back in. I guess, um, yeah, just I I really wasn't a fan. Um, I I have very little positive to say about it. Um, I, I I guess there's a few areas that uh, I, I mean I'll. The dream sequences and hallucinations look good, but uh, that that that's just pulling at straws, trying to think of positive stuff to say about it. Yeah, I I wasn't a fan. Okay, um, so yeah, for me, I I kind of wish I had been able to watch it a second time because I feel like there's a lot to unpack, especially with how the movie unfolds, where where you kind of think it's going, and then all of a sudden, you know, the last ten fifteen minutes happen, and you're like wait what now <laughs> and i read i've read like a couple like reviews and explanations since that kind of gave me the oh okay and then i wanted to watch it again with, with that knowledge and i i just didn't end up having the time to do it but on, on so based on one watch i kind of have the opinion of like rather than good or bad i find the movie intriguing because i think there's i think like don said there is something there and Maybe I didn't get all of it on the first watch. Um, and as far as Venom, you saw it a second time. I'm interested, did your opinion go up on it with a second viewing, or did you like it equally both times? Because I do think there's some good stuff there. And now that... Because, I, I, man, where where it seemed like the movie was going, and all of a sudden like we get that conclusion, I was like, whoa, like... I, I I thought they were setting something up different and not that not that there's anything bad or wrong about how it ends. It just it kind of flipped on me and I think there's a lot of imagery, there's a lot of themes going on, obviously with the dream sequences, obviously with the kind of microdosing going on. Millicent as a character, I think there's a lot going on with I, I I feel like every character in this movie is like messed up to some degree. Not messed up as in like they're a messed up bad person, but like there's issues going on with everybody. No, I'd go so far as to say bad people. <laughs> yeah, bad I mean, <laughs> okay, yeah, that's that's fair. And I think there's a lot about their characters' motivations and what happens to unpack on a first watch. And I think that's kind of what jarred me. And because I never had a chance to throw it on a second time, I'm still kind of in the state of like, whoa, what the hell? Um, but yeah, it's like I can't say I didn't like it, and I can't say I really liked it it's kind of like in that middle where like i don't necessarily know how to feel yet um but i I am intrigued and i want to watch it a second time um i I think it's just like what a 90 minute movie it's it's not it's not too long so it's definitely one i can probably fit in a second viewing of just i didn't have time before this recording Mm -hmm. but yeah uh i think there's a big character there's a lot of character study and it's like a lot of movies they'll pick like that one character and everyone kind of like bounces off them. But in this one, I think each character has so much of their own shit going on in their head and their actions 
that it's hard to get it all on the first watch. Um, and yeah, that the end of the movie, when the camera starts panning, I won't say what it's panning to, but <laughs> it's just like, oh, shit, okay, now <laughs> this changes everything. <laughs> exactly. Um, but it yeah. everybody's uh, motivation, everything. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, at the least, I'll say it left me w- enough with a feeling of, like, I want to watch it again, because there's definitely something there. And maybe on the second watch... It more it'll grab me more so yeah i guess i'll leave that for general thoughts i enjoyed it after the second watch after having the knowledge of you know how the movie ends it's just kind of cool to revisit the relationships and see if it makes if everything makes sense there was a couple of things that left me scratching my head after a second watch which you know i, I guess we can get into in the spoiler section but for the most part I had an okay time with this movie. I think I think the microdosing is what kind of kept me intrigued. Uh, obviously, if you, if you don't give a rat's ass about any a, a, stuff like that, LSD, microdosing, you know, things like that, mental health, um, you're probably not going to be interested in this movie at all. But I myself do have a very base level interest in that stuff. So it was it's a, it was interesting to see this character microdosing and then. Uh, the inevitable macro dosing which inevitably happens but yeah that i I think that alone kept me engrossed in the story because i agree with don it's a slow movie it takes a while to get going i mean if you're looking for actual like horror action i mean you're probably waiting until the end of the second act uh, potentially the start of the third yeah that's kind of where i was feeling is that it took way too long for anything like that to really start happening exactly but but like i said for me uh, someone who enjoys character studies, I was engrossed enough that, you know, and there were different Ill, uh, there were different um, elements of Millicent, too, that were intriguing on that first watch. Like, as you find out more about her, it's like, how is she actually what she says she is? And, you know, other aspects of her personality. So I, I, for whatever it's worth, like I said, this movie is not groundbreaking. It's not essential viewing by any stretch, but. Like I said, of the six or seven movies that I watched this week, I think this one, Hunter Killer, is probably the other one that I had a really good time with. But this one, I thought, was very well made. I mean, as far as the filmmaking elements, there's nothing really to complain about. Decent score. Nice use of the classic Clementine song, but in an acapella, creepy-ass sense throughout the film. Um, I thought the performances were fine. You know, the, like I said, uh, editing, cinematography, that was all fine. Nothing really to, to, you know, sing about, but competent nonetheless. So, you know, I, I just thought it was a solid movie. You know, I had a good time with it. I liked the characters. No, nobody made me roll my eyes. I didn't cringe. It's just one of those movie experiences where I could watch a movie for 90 minutes and be legitimately interested in the story and then actually be satisfied with the ending. I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm going to praise movies like that all the time. Because even even high-level elevated horror doesn't always make me happy from beginning, middle to end. And for whatever it's worth, this one did. So I will praise it. That's all. <laughs> nice. Yeah, maybe as we go through, like, the spoilers and stuff... I'll, I'll connect some more dots. I mean, I still, I, I mean, I feel like I had a grasp on what was going on. It, it's not that I was so lost that I didn't understand everything, but yeah, there's definitely, you know, there's like imagery that I think, you know, they were trying to say some things um, that maybe it'll, it'll make more sense um, because obviously 
the fact that she was microdosing is going to bring on some hallucinations. But obviously, I don't think they they put the specific type of imagery in her hallucinations on accident, right? I think there is reason exactly, why she yeah. was seeing what she was seeing. Um, but yeah, I, I did know, like it, too that. I really like that the movie didn't rely on those hallucinations. Like, it's not like we were getting hallucination after hallucination. Like there'd be long stretches where you'd even forget she was microdosing. Like the movie would go like 20 minutes without mentioning it. And it's like, Oh yeah, that's right. She's on acid too. You know? So Mm -hmm. I, that's to me, that's a well-made movie because it got me to forget the major component of this woman's personality that she's pretty much on acid 24 seven. So Yeah. Maybe that on acid is a little bit of a stretch. I mean, microdosing is obviously, you know, something that, um, you know, a lot of people do and still can, you know, perform uh, their jobs and things like that. It's not like they're tripping balls by any stretch. <laughs> right, right. Um, I don't know. I don't know what else we can say that's uh, spoiler free. Uh, I think I pretty much voiced everything I wanted to say. I, it seems like I enjoyed the movie more than most, which is fine. I mean, it's only sitting at a 5.5 on IMDb right now. So, um, you know, maybe it's just one of those movies that spoke to me. Like I said, when I can watch a whole 90 minute movie and not roll my eyes once and not, you know, get pissed off or frustrated at certain characters on screen, that's a triumph to me. You know, it may not be the greatest movie ever, may not be the greatest story ever, but I had an hour and 34 minutes of a good time with this film. That's all I can say. So <laughs> that's my defense for liking it. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, cool. Well, I guess we can get into spoilers then. All right, then. Ready. So. All right. So our movie opens with a interview, uh, basically a job interview. We, we are, we are introduced to Millicent who is uh, interviewing for a job of a babysitter not a live-in babysitter like a nanny, just someone who'll, you know, stop by in the mornings, leave in the evenings, blah, blah, blah. More of a traditional babysitter. Um, she's very young. She claims to be 21 years old, and she does not have any babysitting experience, which makes the mother a little standoffish. But um, the child in in question is Johnny. Uh, he doesn't speak. They for a time, they thought he was autistic, but then after a while, they realized he wasn't autistic, that there was something else going on there, which we'll get into in a little bit. But basically, Millicent meets Johnny, has a rapport with him right away, um, to the point where he actually grabs her arm at one point when, when she's about to like w- uh, like pull away from him. He grabs her arm, so obviously there is a connection there, at least a perceived conne- uh, connection. So, of course, Millicent ends up getting the job. While she's there, she ends up meeting the dad. Well, she ends up ogling the dad through a window. uh, He's Hmm. basically watering the lawn, uh, shirtless, you know, well-built dude, you know, probably like mid to late 30s. And, yeah, Millicent is not even trying to hide the fact that she's basically eye-fucking this guy (laughs) big time. Um, Luckily, mom never comes into the room and catches her. Uh, but at one point, um, he does walk into the house. She ends up, you know, walking up behind him and just staring at him until he realizes that there's someone there, scares him. They end up having their formal introduction. Instantly, we realize that dad, Johnny's dad, is a douchebag, just an absolute asshole. Um, you know, uh, a little bit later, he spills beer on his wife's uh, dress and, you know, just kind of 
nonchalantly blows it off, whereas, you know, she's visibly upset and tells him to go change, blah, blah, blah. So obviously there's some animosity in this marriage. Obviously, when you have a marriage with a special needs child, it's going to cause a lot of stress on the marriage. So, you know, as soon as you see that, I tend to cut the parents a little bit of slack. You know, maybe dad's not as much of an asshole. Maybe it's just, you know, living with an autistic kid is just, you know, a major strain on a parent. I would know I don't have kids, so I'm open to the concept. So. So let's see. Um, <clears throat> where are we after this? Um we, we realize um, that Millicent is microdosing. We actually see her pull out a small bottle of liquid acid, just, just labeled LSD, which, of course, is fake as hell, but whatever. Uh, uh, she ta- we see her take a single drop and then just basically go about her day. She goes to visit her psychologist or, or actually psychiatrist since he's um, prescribing meds to her, the LSD. He is aware of the microdosing. Um, when we actually meet the psychologist, they actually have a little little bit of a funny exchange because the uh, the, psycholo- the psychiatrist tells Millicent, I'm going to lower your dose on the LSD because if it gets any higher, you're going to start having hallucinations. While he's saying this, we we see Millicent looking at the doctor and one of his fingers falls off. Just literally one of his fingers just falls <laughs> off and starts crawling around the floor like a worm. And literally as this is happening. He's saying that, oh, we're going to we're going to drop your dosage so you don't start having hallucinations. Of course, instantly she's against it. She's like, oh, no, I don't have hallucinations. I'm fine. Literally, as she's saying that that won't happen, the severed finger crawls up on her, crawls up to her face and jumps in her mouth. And obviously she's trying to play it off because she knows that she's having a hallucination. You know, it's not like the doctor's finger actually fell off his hand and became sentient. That's just not a thing. So she actually played it off really well. That you know, that's something that you don't often see in a horror movie. Someone who's crazy, knowing that they're crazy and not reacting to the crazy shit that they're seeing. I like. I, I didn't kind of like that. So um, later on, she goes um, for her first day, and while she's there, you know, she she basically is playing with Ta- uh, with uh, Johnny. Excuse me, Johnny, the little boy. And finds out that Johnny has a little bit of a problem with killing animals. Uh, she finds um, she finds a grave. Actually, she doesn't even find it. Johnny exposes it to her, for, like for her. Basically, digs up this dead rabbit and hands it to her. She, for half a second, she makes like a face, like she's disgusted. But then she stops and realizes that oh, this is a this is a chance for me to you know get in good with Johnny. So. She starts talking about, uh, you know, what you can do with a dead rabbit. And, of course, she pulls out a knife, starts uh, basically cutting off one of its legs uh, so that she can make, later on, she can make a lucky rabbit's foot keychain. I don't know how those things are lucky because they sure as fuck aren't lucky for the rabbit. So, whatever. Um, it's It's a pretty gnarly scene because we actually do see her skin the uh, the leg of the rabbit and just take the fur, you know, the top part in with them to make the rabbit's foot. It's pretty fucking gross, actually, especially if you like bunnies. But uh, and then she basically asks Johnny, do, do you want to learn how to do this? Do you want me to teach you? And Johnny says, yeah. And she asks, do you have another rabbit? And of course, Johnny has yet another grave in the yard where he pulls out another rabbit and she's able to show him. 
specifically how to do it. You know, she's giving them pointers like don't cut towards you, always cut away from you, blah, blah, blah. So she's she's making Johnny a little serial killer already. Isn't that nice? Anyway. <laughs> um, then we go to mom and dad and we see that mom and dad are not normal people. Like they have a very, very twisted relationship. Um, dad is like I like I said, he's he's your basic douche doesn't treat his wife very well you know when he first meets Millicent he kind of has an attitude towards her I know who you are you don't have to introduce yourself you know type thing blah 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 and we find out that they just have a really weird relationship like their relationship is ultra sexual we see multiple times in the movie where they're they're getting kind of hot and heavy or at one point on the phone mom is getting kind of hot and heavy with dad so I don't know if this is mom feeling her age and trying to be sexy for her husband. I mean, it seems like they're both the same age, but it does obviously seem like the guy is aging a little bit better. Probably because he doesn't have the stress that she has because she is an author. Uh, We do find out that she's an author. She does write um, self-help books and um, is on a book tour currently, which is why in one scene she couldn't be home when her husband wanted her to be home. And on that auspicious night where she she couldn't be home she basically starts having phone sex with them on the phone like really fucked up dirty phone sex like pretty gnarly thumbs up two thumbs up from me and just as it's getting (laughs) really really crazy uh the phone call gets cut off (laughs) um and obviously at this dad has his dick out he's masturbating with all the stuff that mom's talking about what she's going to do to him the next time they meet each other and then literally as i said right as it's about to get really really heavy the the phone cuts off i don't know if mom hung up i don't know if that was millicent maybe cutting the phone line i don't know it just the, the phone call just stopped dad of course is drunk and now he's horny as hell he's got blue balls so of course he, he does end up making a little bit of a move towards uh, Millie uh, at the, on, on this day. But on this day, nothing happens. For whatever reason, Millie is able, even though Millie is very obviously in love with the dad. I mean, we know this at this point. She's already stolen a picture from the house of the dad, brought it home, and masturbated with it. This is where I have a question. I don't know if maybe I should ask here. I should ask it later, but... Knowing what we know about Millicent, by the time we get to the end of the movie, how the hell did she bleed in that scene? I'm very confused, but maybe I'm, we'll get back just, to it. <laughs> I'm just curious why the dad thought Millicent was hotter than the mom, because I thought the mom was hotter. Oh, yeah, that's obviously. I mean, I just asked that question with Infinity Pool. Like, you have this beautiful, dark-haired woman, and you're going after alien-looking Mia Goth? What the fuck? So, yeah. <laughs> So, yeah, I'll never understand married men. I am a married man, and I just will not understand them. So Yeah, I mean, again. <laughs> I, mean I, I, I guess by the end of the movie, I, I, I think I see what the kind of family was yeah. doing, and that's why everything went down the way it did. I just remember at the time thinking, like, at, like when we're still at this stage of the movie, I'm just thinking, because, like, you have this scene with the, with the mom and dad start to, like, get into it and i'm like she's way hotter than that babysitter chick so why the hell would he be interested yeah no idea she also seems like mom is like more eager to do stuff i guess it's just the young thing the fact that she's only 21 according to her anyway um you know it's the uh the grass is always greener on the other side type thing blah 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 so what are you gonna do 
Anyway, so yeah. Um, eventually, the next or, or the next day, um, Millie ends up taking Johnny out of the house, actually off the property, something that she was told specifically not to do. Now, early in the film, uh, the mom tells Millicent that you know that Johnny has all these allergies, nut allergies. He can't eat eggs. He can't eat seeds. He can't eat this. He can't. He can't eat chocolate. He can't eat strawberries. Like this long list of all of these allergies that he has. But as the movie is going along, we start to see that Millie is questioning his allergies. Like, she's starting to think, I don't think he actually has all these allergies. Like, there, there's probably a reason that they're just keeping him in the house, which, as it turns out, there is. And we'll find out that in a little bit. But uh, basically, she doesn't believe that Johnny actually has all these allergies. So she gives Johnny a piece of chocolate for the first time, something she was expressly told not to do. And like I said, Millicent then takes him off the property. They're actually just out in front of their house. When I say off the property, I mean like literally just off the yard. Like they're literally right in front of their yard. But they go to cross the street for some reason. I don't know. They're they're going on a walk. And at that exact moment, um, mom and dad are coming down the road. Uh, unfortunately, mom is giving dad roadhead at this exact moment. And almost runs down Johnny and Millicent. Literally almost kills his own son and babysitter because he was getting head in the car. So, like I said, this couple is, like, psychosexual, like, to the umpteenth degree. I I figure if that we would have spent more time with them, we would have eventually seen their dungeon with all their leather and whips and chains and everything. Because, Jesus, it just seemed like mom always wanted something freaky. (laughs) Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. And then eventually we do find out that mom is a cutter. She actually is cutting herself. So mom has all sorts of emotional problems. Jesus. She's hypersexual, hyper jealous of the babysitter, cuts herself and deep too. Like, you know, these aren't like little scratches that you might give yourself when you're a kid. I mean, this, these are like some gnarly ass fucking, uh, you know, gashes to the point where she's still bleeding that evening, that evening when they go out which is the evening that dad almost runs over the kids. Literally, she's still bleeding. And of course, this p- pisses off the, um, the husband. Uh, what the hell was his name? Jacob. It upsets Jacob. So obviously, Jacob is aware of the fact that she's a cutter and probably all her other deviants as well. So um, let's see, where are we? Then we see... We see um, Johnny himself start to have problems with the parents directly. At one point, he actually, um, like, swings at his mother. There's a scene where mom is just comforting him in bed um, after she got home late one night. And Johnny, as soon as Johnny realizes that it's his actual mother, he starts freaking out. He starts swinging at her, like, slaps her. Eventually, they have a fight and pulling at the stuffed animal, and the, uh, Johnny's stuffed animal ends up getting pulled apart because of it. But, you know, mom doesn't seem to care that much. She's just upset that Johnny doesn't seem to want to be around her for any reason. And then later in the film, after dad and Millie have already had a, you know, encounter, a sexual encounter, if you will, um, we see that um, Johnny's dad is kind of flirting with Millicent in their house. Mom isn't around, but Johnny is right there eating something. Oh, he's eating like a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, I think. And then just as the dad is about to, like, touch his finger to Millicent's lips, fucking Johnny stabs him in the leg with a fork, <laughs> which mm. I thought was hysterical. Um, 
So, yeah, so, like I said, uh, once you get the final twist of this movie, it, it might leave you with more questions and answers, but I think on the second watch, Mike, specifically, I think your your questions will be answered. Like, you'll see, knowing the ending, their interactions make a lot more sense as the movie goes along. So, they're definitely meant to confuse on first watch. That's mm-hmm. for damn sure. Hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, now, I forgot to mention that Millicent actually still lives with an older gentleman. I don't know if that's her father. I don't think it's her real father. I think this is a stepfather situation. Um, they never uh, specifically she says said. recently that it's she says uh, frequently that it's a uh, foster child. So I think it's just the latest foster foster. OK, that's right, because we do find out that she had a string of different foster homes that she stayed yeah. at. Well, so, and um, I, I thought it was the latest foster. I mean, that's it, probably right. Yeah, you're yeah, probably correct. The only difference with this one, unfortunately, is that um, later in the film, we find out that all of the men, all of the foster fathers that she stayed with have sexually assaulted her in some way or another. They may not have full on raped her, but, you know, maybe some touching, some inappropriate touching, some inappropriate words exchanged, things like that. And she's she's basically disappointed in humanity in general. Um, She's with this guy now. this current foster dad, but apparently he never touched her. He never tried to touch her. And they actually made an agreement, which is really fucking weird. Um, They don't speak specifically to the agreement, but it does kind of seem like they have kind of a, once she turns 18, her body is his type situation, which seems odd. Now there, there was a mom, maybe not a mom, but there was a wife at some point because we do see pictures in the house of a woman in a wheelchair. And obviously, you know, for whatever reason, she doesn't um, go after this guy as a stepdad because, you know, he did, apparently he didn't, you know, go forward with his advances, if you will. They ended up making this stupid agreement that they have which, I mean, Jesus Christ, anybody with half a brain would know that agreement would never work, but whatever. Uh, so, like I said, Millicent at this point has already had sex with Johnny um, or with Jacob a couple of times. And the dad kind of figures it out. The step, the, fo- the foster dad kind of figures it out and says, we had an agreement that, you know, when you turned 18, blah, 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 blah. Again, they don't say it in so many words, but you kind of understand it's some kind of sexual contract. Anyway. So finally, Millicent relents and says, okay, you know what? You've been patient with me. I think it's about time that you're rewarded. She sits him down on the couch. She pulls his belt off, and rather than pull his pants off, she takes the belt and wraps it around Dad's neck, strangling the Dad to death. So obviously, this is the first death that we see in the film. It's the first. So, you know, a lot of us are at this point in the film are assuming, oh, this is probably her first kill. Though she was fairly proficient at it, it does seem, you know, it's not likely that it's her first kill, even though throughout the film, she comes off as very virginal, you know, claiming to be 21, blah, 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 blah. So when she gets rid of the dad's body, um, the foster dad, she dumps him in an above ground pool that doesn't have any water in it. And when she dumps the body of the foster dad in there, there's the foster mom. Uh, her body is also right there, not rotting yet either. So apparently she hasn't been dead for too terribly long. But uh, apparently so, <laughs> what happened here is up to your interpretation. 
I what I got out of it is, you know, Millie must have killed her mother in a, you know, a, a, a fit of anger. Dad probably decides and maybe that's part of the agreement. Maybe the agreement is I won't rat on you for killing my wife if you give it up when you turn 18. Like I said, they don't really get into specifics of the deal, but it's a gross fucking deal regardless. So, yeah. And then at this point, she she cuts a piece of hair off of her father's head and she wraps it up and she goes to a journal that she has that we've actually seen her look in this journal multiple times throughout the movie, but we don't know what's in it. Finally, here, after she kills her, her foster dad, we finally see what's in it. And basically, each page has a lock of hair and a one-line description of the person that, uh, you know, that her the, the foster parent that basically she dispatched. Um, there, there is a scene when she kills her psychologist, her psychiatrist, and that basically, in during that scene is when we get the confirmation that Millicent has actually been killing all these years. Basically, all of these supposed suicides that keep occurring at her foster homes were actually her taking these people out. Like I said, we see her kill her foster uh, dad. We don't actually see her kill the psychiatrist so much as we see his dead body and he's foaming at the mouth on the floor. So I don't know if she gave him an LSD overdose or poisoned him in some way, but yeah, he's, he's foaming at the mouth, pretty much dying on the ground. Um, because of the situation where Millicent took uh, Johnny out on the street, she has been fired. Uh, she basically is no longer welcome at the house, but she does make a visit um, here. Basically the start of our finale she makes a visit to the house, trying to get in. The mom lets her know your services are no longer needed. We're, you know, we're going to be going with a new babysitter. She, of course, and I've skipped a lot, folks. I, I've skipped a lot of like the bonding that she did with Johnny. Um, I mentioned that Johnny is autistic. He's also mute. He doesn't really speak. And um, Millicent did get him to actually say the word mommy. The problem is he wasn't looking at his actual mother when he said mommy. He was looking at Millie. So he was basically calling her mommy. So they had this big you know, revelation of him can finally speak, but he's calling the wrong person mommy. I mean, he's calling the person mommy that he sees as his mother. Hence what I was saying about elements of Megan, you know, here where the parents are kind of pushing off their child onto someone else. And then the child is going to form an emotional attachment with that person more than their actual parents. So that's what I meant by the Megan comparison. Um, so anyway, like I said, um, mom is keeping Millie out of the house. Millie gets pissed off, tries to, you know, get into the house. She's able to get her arm through the door and scratch um mom's face uh what, what's mom rebecca uh basically scratching you know uh, some gnarly ass scratches on rebecca's face um she gets all pissed off but then she goes and draws with uh johnny johnny's in the drawing room just kind of chilling earlier in the film millicent handed johnny a knife saying next time you're alone with her do it and then you i and your dad can all be happy together of course her ultimate goal was to get rid of mom and basically usurp her position um let's see so at this point she decides to walk around the back of the house because mom isn't letting her in she walks around to the back and she sees jacob you know working in his um in his uh like studio he's got like a woodworking shop in his backyard they mentioned earlier in the film that he's a carpenter so he's a woodworker um 
she goes back there, you know, crying because the mom won't let her in. You know, he lets her know, listen, you know, that it's just it, considering everything that's happened, it, it seemed like the logical thing. But then she goes completely, you know, fatal attraction on him and just starts saying, do you love me? Which, you know, that's the worst fucking question you can ask a guy in this situation. No, of course he doesn't love you. He just wanted to fuck you. Um, and this poor girl, of course, thought that this guy was different. She actually had a conversation with the psychiatrist earlier in the film saying that she feels like this guy's different, that he's not like all the rest. Lo and behold, he's like all the rest. He's just a scumbag like everybody else. And <clears throat> basically, while they're arguing and while she's trying to get him to say that she, that he loves her, they end up fucking again. They literally they end up the, they just start going at it right there in the wood uh, in the shop. And as they're basically as they're in the back fucking mom is in the drawing room with Johnny. Johnny pulls out the knife that Millie handed him earlier, but doesn't stab mom like in the neck or in the side or in the back somewhere where it could, it could actually like kill her. He ends up stabbing her in the hand. Like at one point she puts her hand down while she's drawing. Johnny stabs her in the hand. Mom pulls the knife out. And starts choking Johnny, actually, like, puts her hand around his neck and starts choking him. Once he actually starts coughing and gasping for breath, she lets go and says, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Um, basically starts yelling at Johnny, do you like her more than me? Do you like her more than the other babysitters? Blah, blah, blah. Johnny doesn't really give a straight answer. Mom is so pissed off at this point, she ends up going to the kitchen, grabbing a knife, and going out to the uh, back and to the woodworking shop that Dad has. She basically catches Dad and Millicent going at it, but doesn't even say a word. She literally walks into the room and just stabs Millie in the back with the knife, uh, with her husband looking right at her, saying, no, no, don't do it. And she just stabs the shit out of Millie from behind. Millie ends up stumbling out of the room um, through the uh, like the backyard, going up some stairs towards almost like she's going back towards the house. And then we basically have almost like a Mexican standoff where mom and dad are um, where Millie, I should say, is standing in between mom and dad on one side and Johnny <laughs> on the other. She looks at Johnny. Johnny's got the bloody knife in his hand because he already stabbed his mom once. And you can see Millie give him the head nod, basically saying, yes, do it. Do it now, and then we can be together. Johnny brings up the knife. Um, you know, obviously, as the viewer, you're thinking he's about to attack his mother and try to kill her. But nope. <laughs> Johnny turns the knife on Millie and just stabs the shit out of her. And these were actually some really good face stabs. Like, we actually got yeah. nice facial stabs. Like, pretty impressive. I was pretty happy with the kill. And then Millicent just kind of keels over and dies. And, you know, as the movie audience, you're like, what the fuck just happened? What, what, what did we just watch? What we end up seeing in the final scene of the film is Dad cutting up um, Millie's body into pieces and then they they bury her in the backyard and we see all of these orange trees in the backyard apparently apparently my friends Johnny is a serial killer and he has been killing uh babysitters what well, i mean there were at least four or five bodies in the final scene of the film buried under the house basically like i said what we see is uh mom and dad bury um Millie's body 
they put in a, another orange or uh, an apple tree sapling on top of it, and then the camera kind of pans out and shows all the apple trees in the backyard. So obviously Johnny's been busy for a while. And then one of the really, probably one of the coolest parts of the movie that Mike mentioned earlier, during the closing credits of the film, we see the camera go underground uh, below the backyard, and we start to see the camera panning from left to right. And as it pans left to right, we see uh, Millie's body cut up into pieces, you know, um, just sitting there. And then the camera keeps going, and then we see another body of like a Latina chick also cut up in pieces. Then it keeps going, and we see another uh, female body, um, uh, just uh, like a brunette white girl, her body down there in pieces. And then the camera continues panning, and there's like a gap where there's no bodies. And then we start seeing the skeletons, and that's pretty much how the movie ends. We see we see one full skeleton, and then we kind of see the top of another one as the camera's panning, but then the movie fades to black. And that's it, folks. Spoonful of Sugar 2023. Like I said, I had a fun time with it. I like the re- I like the dual reveals. We got like dual plot twists here of, you mm-hmm. know, of Millie not being an innocent girl, actually being a seasoned serial killer herself. But then, of course, the bigger reveal that Johnny himself is also a seasoned serial killer. And I always like movies like this. I, I do like serial killer versus serial killer movies. I think I think these are always fun. I remember an episode of Masters of Horror where they had the, the, the truck driver serial killer and then the, the hitchhiker serial killer and they ended up meeting. Like, I thought that was a great episode. So it, it's a concept that I've always thought about, like, what if two serial killers actually meet up in real life? Would they try to kill each other? Would they talk shop? Blah, blah, blah. So, yeah, whenever they do it in film, usually, I'll say usually, it's done well. I have seen it done poorly. But like I said, I like this one. Um, all the microdosing stuff kept my interest. Waiting for Millicent to go full-on batshit crazy. Um, you know, you you don't get it until the end, unfortunately. But, you know, at least... And it's it may not be the most satisfying, um, what can I call it, um, episode as far as, like, her going crazy. Like, we've seen crazy babysitters just go nuts, you know, just go stabby, stabby, shooty, shooty. Um, this one, it's a little bit more reserved, but I think, like I said, the whole time you're watching the movie, you have to continue to say to yourself – She's on acid. She's on acid the entire movie, beginning to end. So when crazy shit happens, you kind of have to chalk it up to acid until you get your reveals at the end and, you know, actually figure out what's what. So there you go, folks. So it's kind of like like killer encountering killer, killer family, yep. maybe. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why I brought up, um, what do you call it, orphan first kill? Because like with, mm-hmm. with the orphan first kill, it was kind of the same thing. You know, we thought our antagonist was going to be like, you know, taking out this family. But then of course I probably shouldn't spoil that movie, but you know, there is a reveal where the family is not as stupid as people think they are. So I'll leave it at that in case you haven't seen the movie, but yeah, like I said, this movie isn't anything original. It's nothing that's going to change the world, but for whatever it's, for whatever it is, it's a nice little movie. I, I had a good time with it. I watched it twice. I enjoyed it both times. Um, like I said, Probably not a top 10 con- candidate for the end of the year, but a solid movie nonetheless, for me anyway. Yeah, I mean, I definitely 
uh, I mean, that ending was like, holy shit, like, yeah. what the hell just happened? And it made me want to, like, watch everything leading up to it again. Like I said, I just didn't get a chance, but uh, I think it's worth giving another shot to. Yeah, like I said, once you get to the end, it does leave you with some questions, like, why is Dad the way he is, knowing everything that they're going through? Like, is that just an act for the babysitter? That's what I chalked it up as, that it's just, he's just acting like a shitty disconnected dad so that he can get the babysitter to fuck him. And then they've got a reason to let Johnny have her. <laughs> it's almost like they have to get the babysitter to do something bad. You know, like if they actually got a legitimately like virginal babysitter that doesn't do anything wrong, they probably, you know, wouldn't be able to constitute letting Johnny have his way with her, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. It's almost like they were like, she, she thought she was there to do something and they were almost laying a trap the entire oh. time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Pretty cool. Um, all right. Well, maybe that's going to do it for our thoughts on spoonful of acid. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Otherwise known as spoonful of sugar. <laughs> um, but, uh, let's find out where else, uh, we can be heard. Uh, starting with you, Venom. All right. Uh, Let's see. No More Room in Hell presents Creature Comforts episode. uh, What is it? 16, right? Or was that 15? No, it's 15. Episode 15 is now available. Uh, It dropped last week on that episode. Don, Derek and myself looked at 1957's The Monster That Challenged the World. An interesting little film, a first time watch for a couple of us. So check out that episode. That one's probably our shortest episode ever, ever. That was a quick one. Let's see. Um, the main show, No More Room in, or yeah, just No More Room in Hell. Uh, we actually did it, folks. We recorded episode 50. Should be out this week sometime if it's not already, but I, I would imagine it'll be out a little bit later in the week. Where we basically, for our 50th anniversary or our 50th episode, not 50th anniversary, <laughs> we're not that old, but uh, for our 50th episode, uh, we decided to just kind of give quick uh, quick and easy reviews of our favorite genre film ever. So you've got Derek talking about Zombie, you've got Mike talking about the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, and you've got myself talking about my favorite movie of all time, The Exorcist. So check that out. We still have all our normal segments, what we've been watching. We talk a little bit, little bit of burning question, but not much. And obviously news, because the episode is... Uh, so long in the making, most of the news that we had was uh, a little outdated, so I don't think we even really did much of any. But episode 50 is finally available. Look out Look out for episode 51 sometime in 2024. <laughs> yeah, it was a lot of the, the opening segment, instead of actually having like specific things like usual, it was a lot of catching up and then just whatever topics kind of came out of that and then yeah we all picked one of our favorite movies of all time on that and it, uh just to mention it actually is up on dark discussions already and i had started the upload for the people that that listen to it on youtube i started the upload like right before we we're recording so if you're listening to this episode of fresh cuts then episode 50 will be up in both places too nice I think that's it for me. Crystal Lake Gift Shop, uh, episode three is still our latest one. That one's been out for like over a month now. Um, Miss Lacey Lou joined us once again to cover, um, what was it? The Poison Quiver. 
and which was episode three of Friday the 13th. So check that out. And that's about it for me. Haven't really been podcasting as much lately. Trying to take it easy, but uh, we'll have a we'll have another episode of Crystal Lake Gift Shop up sometime um, either late March or early April. And that's probably it for me, Mike. All right, Don, what do you got? Uh, yeah, uh, latest episode of Creature Comforts is available. Um, we're making plans for the next episode, which should be coming out sooner rather than later. Oh. Yeah, uh, latest episode of Horror Countdown is available. I'm starting my Women in Horror Month series with a uh, very, very uh, so far widely received episode. Um, I have a uh, well, I, I'm sure you guys may be familiar with her, but um, I have a blogger from uh, several big websites on, and we looked at the torture porn era of the 2000s. So. Yeah, your saws, your hostels, um, yeah, under the radar stuff like uh, you know Repo Genetic Opera or Collector or um, you know stuff like Captivity Turistas, uh, you know stuff like that. So uh, yeah, a lot of fun. Um, basically, going to be kind of like my uh, normal Women in Hormone series where I have uh, you know interviews and spotlights and reviews uh, for women and stuff. Um, this entire month is going to be me and women guest hosts. So I'm looking forward to that. And I think it's available. Um, it was an episode that I recorded last week, and uh, I, I think I got word that it's out. Um, I joined uh, the Horror Returns to discuss uh, Elevated Horror for a March Madness Tour tournament. So that was uh, a lot of fun. Um like I said, I think that's available. You may have to. It'll probably be out by the time you read this, but I, I think I got notification that it was uh, released earlier today or something. I, I would have to check because I haven't been home. But yeah, I think um, I think that's available now, and I'm still waiting on a few other guest spots to uh, come up to, to come together. Um, everything's in place. I think I just have to wait for recording to come about. So. Uh, am I forgetting anything? No, I, I think that's it. So, because yeah, I, I, like I said, I just have to wait for some of the recording to come together. So, yeah, I think that's uh, everything on my end. All right, yeah. So for me, nothing that hasn't been mentioned, but I will just add that uh, Creature Comforts. It's it's probably been up on the network for a bit, but I will be getting that uploaded to youtube as well for the people that uh prefer youtube i i've had those sit on my desktop and then when i was working on uh episode 50 of the main show i was like what are these other files i was like oh shit that's right i gotta get this on youtube so probably within the next two days it's gonna be no more room in hell creature comforts and this episode all available kind of around the same time and then um we're going to have a quick turnaround with recording our next episode of Fresh Cuts because if you're listening to this, it means Scream 6 is already out. Uh, probably half of our friends and community have already watched it by, by the time people are listening to this episode. And because it's a bigger release and it deals with like, you know, there's always like a big twist in in Scream movies, uh, whether or, you know, whether you can see it coming or not. There's the the objective is to have like a big reveal 
So I, I figure with a movie like that, better to, the sooner to get it out because it'll be highly topical. So uh, we plan on getting that out by the end of this weekend. Um, and yeah, so that'll be our next episode. No real uh, discussion needed on that one. And yeah, I think that's it for like housekeeping and all that. So um, you guys got anything else before we get out of here? Nothing for me. Yeah, I'm good. All right. Well, thanks everyone for listening. Um, microdose if you choose. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> well, say bye to our listeners. Later. For God's sakes, it's 2023. Stop babysitting. Make all those cheap-ass parents hire a certified child care professional. Babysitting as a job should be fucking gone. Just stop. Let's all collectively stop babysitting. Or just hire me, and I'll show them uh, burial grounds. Oh, do, well, there's that. If you want to parent your children, yeah. Do what our parents did. Assign the TV to be the babysitter. There you go. <laughs> all right.